airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in for another installment. Mm-hmm. We're back, and, and all of us, especially Will, who tends to flip his lid from time to time. Wait, what? Not we're me. We're all collected. We are all back <laughs> and all ready to go. No, not you me. Know. And uh, here we go. The cool cucumber has uh, returned to the cooler, and uh, and we're ready to go. And, of course, you know, I'm always the one that is, you know, just sort of level-headed. And yeah, right. People collected and calm. And, you are you Brenda. Know, I, I use, you know, I use one or two words a minute when I communicate because I find that's best right. for understanding the points that I'm trying to make. Right. Um, anyways. And, you know, it, as it would happen today mm-hmm. um, on the other side of this this segment, we will have Dave and Ann Wilson on with us. And they are the authors of the book uh, Vertical Marriage. And uh, and so we're going to talk about what that means, which which is good, because I think probably will people have questions about their own marriages, you know, how they can live better together. Yeah. But I think, honestly, people probably have questions about our marriage. Do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, are people concerned about our marriage? Let I me mean, tell you what I think they're concerned about. What's that? I think that people wonder about our dynamic because I'm so outspoken uh. for a living. Yeah, and well, so they d- they think that all of our life is radio, and they probably right. think that this is the way we talk about issues at home. But look, it, it's like the question I asked at at the um, the brotherhood thing. Yes, that I was said, funny. how many of you guys? How many of you guys speak? I think I said, how many of you guys speak more than your wife or talk yeah. more than your wife? And it was like only two guys that only raised their two hand. men raised their hands. So I'm like, <laughs> what's the problem? You know, well, because because those men are like, yeah, well, yeah, I think. But it's different, though. I think they feel like if, you know, you should talk as much as her because, you know, on the radio on radio. Yeah, I think that's what it is. This is Aaron Addison. So this this is our dynamic. No matter where we are. Yeah, they're like, tell yeah, tell that to your counselors. <laughs> they they all want to hear us go through public counseling. Come on. We'll oblige them from time to time. No, look, we enjoy being married to each other and um after fifteen years of marriage, we have we have we have settled into what it is that we bring, each of us mm-hmm. bring to our marriage, right? We are yeah. who we are and we are designed else. by God to be a complement to one another. Mm-hmm. Um in our personalities and the way we look at the world and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's good, you know? And so I just want people to understand that when I'm talking, <laughs> when I'm talking about issues and speaking strongly and with great assurance on those issues, understand that that is what I do for a living, but that is not how I engage with my husband at home. And and, and I think, I think too, because uh, they're, they're just listening to the program. Yeah. They may not know what I'm doing 
you know, with the board and putting up the clips. Well, so, we should tell so them that you're also think, you're the producer. So, they so you handle. Think, you know, <laughs> why he's not talking? That's all they do. It's supposed to be just talking, you know. Because but. he's making sure the sky's not falling behind the scenes <laughs> while, um, <laughs> well, while sometimes you know. it is, and so that's yeah. good though. Yeah. Anyway, no, I have I have had a lot of different. Um, I say a lot, but I've I've had a few different co-hosts in in the last twelve years of radio, mm-hmm. and um, I've had different producers and and. All of the producers and co-hosts that I've had have been great at what they do, but you are by far my favorite. Oh, and well, I don't think you. anyone would be mad I at me for that. saying that. I like talking to you about these issues. I like having you produce the show. Now, I'll tell you what's difficult, and then oh, we're going to go to Rob. Here's what's <laughs> – because, well, look, we got to tell the people the, the whole what's truth. difficult? I mean, okay. you know. What's difficult uh-huh. in having you as a producer yeah. and not having just another brother in the Lord as a producer – Yeah is there's a different type of tension when you let me down with a clip or something that I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) Which rarely happens. Oh, yeah, right, because you're perfect. Right, because you're perfect. If it rarely Um, happens, I'm not perfect. So that's true. Which really <laughs> happens. True. That's true. Yeah. No. So that's the only kind of because I feel like with a brother, I could just be like, oh, yeah, no, that's not what I wanted. Like, you, you know, know, now I'm just hoping that, you know, when we get Rob on that his mic works because and, and just everyone like, know. When there is a technical yeah, difficulty, I will talk to Will about this over dinner. Like it sound, doesn't just stay I'm at the, the office. I'm the sound man. You know, when things go wrong, everybody look back at the back of the church. Like, Otherwise, nobody cares about him. And that's sad. <laughs> that is absolutely. We got to do better in the church. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 talk about Days of Our Lives, the impeachment trial. Oh like, goodness. let's I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Everybody agrees that it's ridiculous. I feel like over. I I don't know I don't want to oversimplify this, but I feel like this changes nothing in the minds of people who are engaged and who understand what President Trump has done in our country. Right. I feel like this is only working against liberals. It's only working against Democrats. Can they not see it? I I well I think they're too intoxicated with yeah. themselves to yeah. see it, but I think that Rob Chambers could probably speak to this a little <laughs> bit better. We've got an AFA Action Alert out, and we wanted to invite Rob, who's Vice President of AFA Action, on to talk with us about this. It's time for us to be mobilized. It's time for us to contact our senators and say, put an end to this. Rob, yeah. what's going on? Well, I tell you what, you're talking about people getting fed up with this. And thank you, by the way, for having me on. Uh, I was looking at my Facebook feed a little bit earlier and, and a friend of mine put on there on his Facebook fe- uh, feed. He said, hey, look, you know, I don't know what's really going on, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just ready for this thing to be yeah. over. You know, yeah. I, I think that's the tenor of, of probably uh, a lot of people in, in the country here. But what is really going on? Well, basically what has happened is is that the uh, Congressional Congress has passed two articles of impeachment, basically uh, allegations that, that President Trump has uh, been guilty of, uh, of, abuse, of abuse of power and obstructing Congress. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem with that is, uh, Will and Mickey, is that there's no evidence that any of that has even happened. Mm-hmm. So basically you have – that's why President Trump keeps calling this a hoax. Mm-hmm. There is no evidence – there's nothing. Uh, all everything that they keep doing is just basically building up mountains of uh, or red herrings, uh, straw men that they they build up and attack. But there's nothing there. There's no there there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which is a it, that is a familiar refrain when it comes to the Democrats. There is no there there. I mean they are the the masters of the nothing burger, right? I mean this is what we like. We do not have a short memory as it pertains to these types of wastes of time. Yeah. And I would say this attacks on our intelligence this, as yeah. voters. It's going to backfire, I, mean, I think. Yeah, I, I, really I think do. so too. Well, you so know, what is? Go ahead. I was just going to ask, what is the call to action? 
for those who are politically involved and those of us who are engaged and we're saying we're sick of this. We don't want to just sit around and watch this play out. Is there something that we can do? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Will and Mickey, there's something that that uh, that listeners can do. I'd encourage you to go to AFAaction.net. That's AFAaction.net, and it's really clear where the uh, action is, uh, action to take. Uh, click that button where it says uh, send a message to, to your senators and urge them to basically uh, call no witnesses for this trial. Mm-hmm. Do not give in to the, uh, to the sham uh, impeachment trial uh, request of the uh, House Democrats to request their senators to uh, oppose having any witnesses uh, on this and also to acquit President Trump. It's that mm-hmm. simple. You go there, you'll enter in your uh, your name, your uh, your your street address where your house is, so you can be li- uh, so they'll know who your senator is, uh, so our system can know that, and then you can send your email uh, straight on through that. It's it's really easy. Hmm. You know, awesome. Rob, I, I want to get your take on this. I, I this is my opinion. This is how I see it, and and I'd like to hear from you on this as well. But when I look at the the use of impeachment, right, um, to remove someone from office, I think that what liberals do not understand is that they have maybe perpetually diminish the the word or the strength of the word or the use of this procedure. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Americans will soon forget this. How do you think that this will come back or will Mm. backfire on Democrats down the line? Well, well, it could come back once people really come to understand really what the Democrats have sought to do and are doing here. Mm -hmm. Basically, they, they, again, they came up with two articles of impeachment uh, in the house Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and really it's, it's unconstitutional. So basically what we have is, is a, is a partisan impeachment. There's nothing, nothing rooted in fact. It's just, it's just that they don't like president Trump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what they have set up here is a precedent to, Uh, basically misconstruing the Constitution as well. But basically what they're doing is setting up a future precedent such that uh, if somebody doesn't like the color of the president's socks, they can (laughs) impeach them. Wow. You know, I mean, it's it's that silly. Of course, that's uh, hyperbole. (laughs) No, right. But, but, but you know, it's something that that, that's silly. You know, they're basically saying that that uh, that President Trump basically used his position of power to force Ukraine uh, to do something in exchange for getting money from the government. There's no there's no there there. There's no Mm -hmm. proof. There's nothing there, which is what uh, Jay Sekulow uh, said last night. Look right at Adam Schiff and said, you do not have the evidence. And then Mm -hmm. Jay Sekulow went and sat down and it. That is actually, 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 that's the matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So what people in America need to understand is I, this should have really stopped by the time it, when they walked over with the articles of impeachment from the, from Congress, when Nancy Pelosi and that parade, <laughs> sham parade yeah. came across, they right. should have stopped them at the door and said and dismissed these right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But so now what we have is a marring of the Constitution, and uh, and I'm hoping that we get this straightened out because what they have set up again is a president, let's say uh, if a Democrat uh, senator, mm-hmm. let's say somebody wants to go after uh, and, and impeach someone or a judge, and they can do the same. Here's the precedent. Well, they don't mm-hmm. like they, they don't like what they've done, and, mm-hmm. and they make it up and, uh, and uh, call it what it's not. And then, uh, then they use the power of the uh, government to basically strangle people, force them out. And Rob, let me just say this. So, you know, I, I feel like for me, it's a bit more than 
them not liking the president or the president's style of leadership, I feel like it's them having this condescending view of the people who voted President Trump into office. I feel like what they are saying perpetually mm-hmm. is, you guys, and excuse the expression, but you're too stupid to know how to elect leaders. So because you didn't get this right in 2016, we're going to fix it for you. And we'll continue this as often as we have to, whatever the sham will be, the next thing that pops up until we either get him out of office or you guys, quote unquote, vote better the next time. Don't you see this as a direct attack on people who voted for this president? Well, look, it was not at the American Revolution. It was not the elites out there in the uh in the uh, battlefields fighting, you know, you had farmers, you had, uh, you know, people of the uh, regular run-of-the-mill folks out mm-hmm. there fighting and uh, for for this country, for the founding of this country and to protect it, the uh, the colonies. So uh, that's that's what they think that, you know, everybody is, that would vote for President Trump is just a dumb hick. You know, that's what they <laughs> saw think that. Of, yeah. of people who would vote for President Trump is just a dumb hick. And so that's the party. That's the Democratic Party. Furthermore, they're the party of death. Even Pete uh, Buttigieg even said no pro-life Democrats are allowed in the Democratic Party. He even doubled down and said, I support the uh, Democratic platform Mm -hmm. that uh, preserves uh, a woman's right to uh, basically, he didn't say slaughter, but that's what he meant, to kill the baby, uh, the unborn child. So this is the Democratic Party in action here. When they're not guided by principle and they're decided by their gut desires, which is not rooted in the word, this is what we get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, wow. and it's and it's a it's a threat. It's a threat against our country, you know. And I, and I wish that more Americans understood this. I, I wish that there was more political engagement that was driven by an understanding not of just our civic responsibility, but the best way for us to honor God and the nation in which we dwell. I, mm. I really wish that there was a, a better connection that's made there. Rob, I want to encourage our listeners to go to afaaction.net, afaaction.net. But I also want to encourage our listeners to follow the AFA Action Facebook page because you post a lot of information there. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was on your page that I saw that Pete Buttigieg clip and I shared it. And so I think that our listeners need to be aware of what is happening in politics. Obviously, everybody all across our network, we're covering different aspects of what's happening in the culture. But this is a big deal. So I want to encourage our listeners to go to AFAaction.net, AFAaction.net, and then also to follow you on social media. Do you guys do Twitter? Rob, we do. do you? Yes, at AFAaction. Okay, at AFAaction. And then the same thing, you can look that up on Facebook Correct. and stay connected that way. You'll know when there are various calls to action, and then you'll know exactly what you need to do to be involved and to preserve your voice in this country. All right, we got to grab the break. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We will be right back.
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you tuning in every day to help us or to join us in talking about the issues of the day. Um, one of our favorite topics is marriage and yes. the family and how we can live lives uh, together that glorify God and that show the world what we are about, not just what we are against, not just what mm-hmm. we are challenging, but what we are about. And we believe in the beauty of marriage. And so, um, frankly, it also becomes a free opportunity for counseling. So <laughs> <laughs> Will and I will take no, we're what good. we can we're get. Good. What do we mean? No, no, no. We need this okay. counseling. All we're right. so glad that That's Dave fine. and Ann Wilson are here with us. <laughs> They've been married, what is it, almost 40 years? Maybe oh, yeah. 40 years. Oh, we'll wow. fi- yeah, we okay, need it. We'll, we'll yeah. find out for sure. I'm all, I'm all ears. <laughs> that, means, that means that at the 35-year mark, 39, 40 years, um, yeah, we need what they have. Yes. It doesn't even matter, right? I mean, there is something that uh, for us to get. Yes. Um, so, so let me make formal introductions here because now we're going to shift and we're going to discuss the book Vertical Marriage, The One Secret. The One Secret That Will Change Your Marriage. One? If... I knew it. I knew you would say that. Oh, wow. I knew. I'm all ears. Okay. Continue. That's so bad. Read. That's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) On his 10-year anniversary, pastor and chaplain for the Detroit Lions, Dave Wilson, would have rated his marriage a 9.8 or even a 10, Will. Mm. And he would have guaranteed that his wife, Anne, would have said the same thing. However, she had other feelings, Mm. and on that night, she whispered five words that could have ended their marriage, and this is what she said, I've lost my feelings for you. Ooh. I've lost my feelings for you. Now, remember, he's thinking we're 9.810. Right, so that was crushing. That had had (laughs) to be crushing, and now we're going to talk about how you come back from that place and what is the most important thing that we need that will change our marriage? I mean, if you can be at that place where yeah. you think you're at a 10 oh and your goodness. wife turns to you and says, I've lost my feelings for you. Yeah. We can get past some speed bumps, right? You have Can't anything we do to that? tell me? I don't know that you need <laughs> as much as I need what they have to offer. So we'll just see. Dave, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. So good to be with you. <laughs> So I know just to, um, I know that you guys are on two different lines here so that we could get both of you on, and I really appreciate you doing it. I think it's just so much more fun for um, Will and I to be able to talk to other married couples. So whenever we can get both of them on, mm-hmm. it's always a treat. So what we'll do is just sort of direct our questions. That way we don't step on each other. We may have a little bit of that, but we'll try to alleviate it as best we can. So, Dave, let's start with you. Tell our listening audience just a little bit about yourself and your ministry and maybe the beginning years of your marriage to Anne. Well, okay, um, all you need to know about my ministry is for 33 seasons I was the Detroit Lions chaplain, and I recently found out that it's been confirmed I am the losingest chaplain in the history of the NFL. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. Wait, so the Browns, well, don't, the Browns don't have a chaplain? The Browns? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. They do, but they haven't lost as many games as we have in wow. a decades. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's my claim to fame right there. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, oh. I mean, I'm kidding, sort of, but um, not really. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's so, really then, sad. Uh, back in 1990, uh, Ann and I and a couple other couples started a, started a, uh, a church here in Detroit called Kensington, and We've been leading, helping lead that for the last 30 years, and it's mm. grown to six campuses. And so that's kept us pretty busy as well. 
And then we've been doing marriage ministry around the country and speaking for Family Life uh, Ministries out of Little Rock and doing their radio show called Family Life Today, which is on radios around the world. So we've got a busy life. Wow. That's wonderful. So, Anne, take us back to that 10-year mark then. What was going on at that time? What stage of life were you guys in um, <laughs> where there was this disconnect? And, and you know, Dave was thinking, yeah, we're, we're hitting it out of the park. And you were like, I don't even know what I feel for you. I don't have the same feelings. What was going on then? Which it was amazing to me that he thought we were doing so well. Hmm. And that even <laughs> made me more mad because I thought, how do you not know how bad we're doing? Wow. But um, we were 10 years in. We were starting this church right at the beginning of starting the church. Dave was traveling with the Lions. Um, we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And we had. I think every marriage goes up and down. We go through cycles. But mm-hmm. this was a really hard phase. I felt like Dave was constantly gone. I felt like we had kind of committed to doing our life together. And um, I think what I felt like was, wow, you're doing all this stuff. You're not even taking me with you. We're not in this as partners. You're kind of chasing after God and your career, but it was more career that I thought than God. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I was so mad about it. And so I would just kind of explode, like, you're leaving again tonight? You know, and he'd have these meetings, and he'd say, yeah, I have to go lead this, and I have to go do that. And I was so bitter that I would say things like, great, See ya. I hope our boys remember who you are. Mm. And I, I think I, I started out as so angry, and then my anger turned to bitterness, and then my bitterness turned to numbness. And so when we went out on this 10-year anniversary, you know, Dave's like, this is awesome. We had this great night, and I basically said, I've got nothing. I, I started out so angry, and now I'm at a place where I'm numb. I don't even care that you're gone. I would rate us as a .5 maybe. That's wow. How, that's how separate we were and how we thought we were doing. So this that's becomes depressing, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is. But but the only reason that it's it's well worth. Well, I mean, there are many reasons that it's well worth hearing is because the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ is evident. And I think in order for us to really see this, um, we have to kind of go back to that moment, you know, because there are many people who are listening to us right now. And you know this. You guys know this because you do radio. Mm-hmm. They are hurting and and they feel like, no, I mean, that's fine. Your little pity pat arguments are nothing compared to the chaos in my home. But I think for you to say, Anne, I wouldn't have even put us at a 1.5 was being generous. I think that that is life giving to people. So, Dave, I'm wondering from you, though, when Anne says that to you, I would imagine that in that moment there would be these feelings of defensiveness where you're just like, whoa, what? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But you responded differently to her. Can we go back to that moment and hear your perspective? Yeah, I mean, when she said that, you're right. I was going to respond defensively. That's what I normally did. And actually, you know, that went really well. (laughs) You know, responded defensively. Uh, But that's what I was about to do. I was going to pull out my calendar, just sort of prove to her that I've been home more than she was saying. And that's where it got, uh, that's where it got, Different. It was in that moment that I felt like I heard God say to me, uh, shut up. And it was that <laughs> direct. Don't respond. Don't defend yourself. Just listen. Mm. And so as she started to share, you know, her bitterness and different things that were going on, I heard God say one more word. And again, it's not an audible voice. It's just the Holy Spirit 
who lives mm-hmm. inside me speaking, and he said, repent. Mm. And it was really interesting as I heard the word repent, I knew in one word what God was saying. And it was just this simple. It's like, if you think you're going to solve this marriage issue on a horizontal level, just husband and wife working this through, you're missing the whole thing. This is a spiritual issue. And it was God saying to me, you've lost your first love. You're doing ministry, but you're leaving me behind. You're busy, 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 mm. but you're not spending time with me. Your life, your ministry, and your marriage is no longer an overflow of your walk with me. Mm. And repent simply meant, man, you need to put me back first in your life and first in your marriage. And when that happens, then I can work and save your marriage. And so I knew uh, you know, in that one word that I needed to repent. And I and I knew that it wasn't Ann's problem. It was my problem. And so I did. I just told Ann, I said, hey, before we, we need to talk, but before we go any further, I need to do something right now. You don't need to do this, but I feel like I need to do it right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I needed, needed to be on my knees because it was a surrender submission moment. And I wanted my posture to reflect that. So I just got on my knees in the front seat of a Honda Accord. Don't ask me how, but <laughs> wow. you know, and I, I, I repented. I said, God, I'm, I'm trying to do this marriage in my own strength and put you in the back seat, and you need to be number one and you're not. And I preach this stuff and I know this, but I'm not living it. So I, mm. I, I repent and put you as number one in my life. And I ask you to make me the husband that she longs for and the dad my kids need. And I'm going to surrender everything to you. And that was it for me. I'm, I'm like, okay, now we need to talk. And I turn to Ann, and I look over, and she's on her knees on the front seat of the passenger side mm. of the car. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I, I, one question I have, I mean, that's powerful, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, able to speak to us, and, and you respond and praise God for that. I have, I guess it would be a technical question. Um, so as being a chaplain, were you a chaplain before you guys got married, or was this something that happened during the course of your marriage? And if so, was it talked about, like, how much you were going to be gone, and did it just get out of hand? Like, what what happened mm. there? Yeah, I mean, um, we were married uh, five years. Okay. When I became the chaplain of the Lions, uh, we were on staff with Athletes in Action and had just finished seminary where we got a Master of Divinity and then moved to Detroit to start working with the team. And, you know, the travel with the Lions wasn't that extensive because, you know, in football we're only gone one day a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different than basketball or baseball where they're gone mm-hmm. two weeks at a time. We'd just fly out on Saturday and play the game and come home Sunday night. Okay. But it was all the other stuff that I was adding to my life, starting this church, uh-huh. speaking on the road, uh, doing marriage stuff. It was a combination of a lot of things. And again, like Ann said, we were parents of three little boys at the time. Mm-hmm. Life was just crazy. And I did what a lot of guys do. I'm sure women do it too, but I poured my life into my job mm-hmm. and I was gone. And yeah. I was saying yes to everything and not saying yes to my family. Mm. And eventually realized I wasn't even saying yes to my walk with God. I was just sort of doing ministry out of an empty tank. Mm. And that's the night God said, this has got to end. And, you know, mm. we put on the subtitle of the book, the one secret that'll change your marriage. I mean, there's a lot of secrets, but the big <laughs> one is simply this. And we were doing it. It's like, if you're trying to find your, your life and your happiness from your spouse, you're going to be let down. 
at mm-hmm. some point mm-hmm. you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And that's what God reminded us of that night. That night is like you're never going to find what you're looking for in a person or a place or amount of money. Right. You know this. You're only going to find it in me, in Christ, in relationship with me. And that changes everything. So once you understand that secret, it isn't, you know, so many people think after they're disappointed in marriage, they say, say, we've heard it. I, you know, I married the wrong person, thinking if I married the right person, I'd be happy. Mm. And what we're saying in this book is you didn't marry the wrong person. You're looking in the wrong place. Mm. You know, you're not going to find so your happiness in a person. Even in a great marriage, you're still going to be let down. You can only find that in Christ. And then when you find that life in Christ, that joy, the happiness in Christ, you come back to your marriage totally different. You're no longer needing to get from your spouse something that you're lacking. You've already got it from Christ, so now you can overflow and give to your spouse uh, out of an overflow of your walk with God. And I'm wondering if that's something that you likewise discovered. Like when you look back and, and you know, you feel like you're at a point five here and then you guys are you guys are both there in that Honda Accord, you know, is there a moment where all of the things that you felt were Dave's fault? Do you have that moment where you're like, <laughs> I have some responsibility in this. Maybe you were looking for something in him that you should have been looking for in the Lord, or was it just pretty much all Dave's fault? (laughs) (laughs) No, you really just summed it up, because it was so astonishing to me that Dave got on his knees in the Honda Accord. That was miraculous. But when he started praying, when he started praying, I was so convicted. That night... Prior to that night and earlier that night, if somebody would have said, what's the problem with your marriage? I would have said, it's 100% my husband. Like, Mm -hmm. if he would just get his act together, we could be great. Mm -hmm. And yet, when Dave started praying, I felt, I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. And I felt like he was saying, Ann Wilson, you have been looking to Dave to fill your life, Mm -hmm. to give you joy, to give you happiness. And you've been thinking... If he would just do these things, I could be happy. And I realized, I mean, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I am the source of your joy. Mm-hmm. I am the source of your contentment. I am the source of your life. And so I was so convicted, I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I've made my husband and my marriage an idol, thinking wow. they would fill me up. Yes. And um, that night, we both, I think we both really repented, we turned, But we knew, like, my feelings didn't come back instantly. I wish they would have. But we knew that we had some hard work to put into it to Mm. kind of restore us and get us back. Mm. You know, I'm wondering, I think that there are Christians who are listening, and we almost think that a vertical focus in our marriage is automatic if we're Christians. But that Mm. isn't necessarily true. We become consumed with one another and by one another. And almost in a sense, we think that this is the way it's supposed to be. So what Mm -hmm. are the practical steps that you guys take? And Anne, I'll start with you. We may hit the break here and have to pick up with Dave on the other side. But what are the practical steps that we take every day to maintain a vertical marriage? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And honestly, even now, when I start to kind of look at Dave's weaknesses or flaws or I'm disappointed in how he's treated me, now it's an automatic flashback, like, what is my walk with Jesus? Am I with him daily? Am I praying with him? Am I in the Word every day? Or am I listening? You know, am I filling myself up with him? That's huge for me, because I notice when I take my eyes off of Jesus, I automatically put them to Dave to fill me up. 
I think that's mm. the tendency, especially we have as women, for relationships to fill us up. All right, let's do this. I want to grab the break and I want to come back and I want to talk more with our authors here, Dave and Ann Wilson. Mm-hmm. The book is Vertical Marriage, The One Secret That Will Change Your Marriage. And also, we've got a couple copies to give away, so make sure you come back and join us in the last segment. We're going to give away two copies. Keep listening. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back. Addison's on American Family Radio. We're the Addison's. I'm mm-hmm. Miki. And I'm Will, and that's five with Have Your Way. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and we are going to open the phone lines, and we are looking for caller number five and caller number 10 at 888-589-8840, and you pick up a copy of Vertical Marriage, the one secret that will change your marriage. Caller number five and caller number 10 at 888 888- and you get a copy of the book. We're talking with Dave and Ann Wilson, who have authored this book, including in it much of their experience in there. Is it 39 or 40 years of marriage, guys? 39 now, almost 40. Okay, so I I like to round up. Okay, yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead and round up. There's been struggle involved, so we're going to round up for that. Um, <laughs> we'll give you that. <laughs> if it were just we'll smooth sailing, we, we'll round down. But no, we're going to go ahead and say 40 years of marriage. Um, let me say this. I remember um, in the first five years of our marriage, I, and people would always tell us that, you know, that first year is so rough. I think that is probably one of the, like, mis misunderstood or misguided or misstated things that you can say to a newly married couple because once you get past that first year and it is rough or maybe it isn't you think well that's it well that just isn't true I mean (laughs) that's ludicrous because you hit year four you hit year five for you guys it's year 10 and you're still having these disagreements you're still having these you know these these arguments where you can say these really awful things to one another And I was watching a video over on y'all's website, okay? And I was just floored that, Dave, you actually told your wife that you had, she walked into the room and and Uh you were reading the Bible. And she asked what you were doing. And you actually told your wife, quote, I just told God I would rather be dead than be married to you. Oh, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Well, I mean, you know, Dave, that's going to sell a lot of books because (laughs) if a marriage can come back from that, (laughs) I mean, there's a good shot here. So, Dave, what were you thinking? And then we'll go to you, Anne, and then find out what you thought he was thinking. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was uh, year one of our marriage, probably seven, eight months in, and I tell you what, we, like you just said, we had no idea how hard marriage would be. And we were struggling. We were fighting. We were having conflict. I mean, we wrote a whole section in the book about how to resolve conflict because we didn't know how. We had conflict, but we didn't know how to resolve it. And I was getting up at night, couldn't sleep, and I was in the middle of the night. And it got so bad after months and months of this that 
I was just reading the Bible and read Paul's words where he says to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I started thinking, <laughs> yeah, it would be better to be with Jesus right now to be married to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, my so, goodness. You know, she came down right after I prayed that. And, you know, now I know better than to share every <laughs> single thought you ever have in your brain. But I thought I could tell her everything I think, so I told her exactly what I prayed, and uh, it didn't go so it didn't go so well after that. (laughs) Yeah, you know it's amazing. Let me tell you what you just did, uh, Dave, and then we'll go to you and get your take. How did you feel in that moment? But let me tell you what you just did. You just made some major points for every other husband listening. Because from here on out, they can always turn to their wife and go, hey, at least I'm not Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, babe? It's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, we're doing okay. I've never been a Dave to you. All right? (laughs) Um, So, so Anne, when you hear that, are you just like, are you winded at that? Or do you you go in yourself? Yeah, feelings mutual. (laughs) And I, and I will kind of confess here, um, just a few months prior to this, I had told Dave that I would rather be dead than to be married to him. Oh. Mm. So we were totally using our words as weapons. We would let our words just fly. Yeah. And words are so destructive because you remember them and you can hold on to them. But when Dave said that, that's what I'm thinking, like, wow, we've hit an all-time low. You guys, here we are. We're serving Jesus in ministry, mm-hmm. and yet we're, we're loving Jesus, but we don't know how to be married. We don't know how to fight, because we have so much baggage that we've carried into our marriage from the past, mm-hmm. not even realizing how much it is affecting us, and needing God to do an overhaul of every area of our lives. But man, we were brutal with each other, mm-hmm. but we really committed to one another after that first year that we was, because we hurt each other so horribly that we wouldn't use our words to say things like that or to threaten divorce. Um, so we were careful after that, but still we had seasons, and still I think we all have seasons where yeah. we go through some real trials and hard That's things. Right. That's right. So, Anne, you mentioned not knowing how to fight. Um, am I hearing you guys suggest that there is a skill to fighting in marriage? Um, this seems <laughs> a little counterintuitive, so please unpack that for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the first things we realized uh, when we started to get a grip on conflict is how we both uh, approach conflict differently. I was an avoider, and I would, you know, sort of walk out of the room, and I didn't know this, of course, until I got married, and, you know, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad were divorced, and conflict ended badly, and so I mm. didn't know it, but I had this perspective that I brought into marriage that conflict's bad, you avoid it. You know, and so, you know, I marry a woman. I didn't know this, but she likes conflict. And she wants to talk. <laughs> and so we get in a fight, and I I literally start walking out of the room. Which wow. I was and, uh, because I'm thinking, you know, I come from this family that we talk about it, we'll yell, but we'll forgive each other. So Dave gets up, and he leaves the room, and he says, I don't need this. Mm. So, you guys, I yell at him come back here and fight me like a man. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> I just, I, you know, all of man, the messy people listening, I know, all of, the, <laughs> no. all of the messy people listening are like, the Addisons didn't tell us to bring popcorn today. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, oh, guys. Man. Wow. So, Okay, so so after <laughs> after all of that, how do you how what is the right way to fight? 
good question. Well, I mean, we don't have time to, you know, answer all that. That's why we wrote, I think, four chapters on it. But oh, I mean, yes. one of the first things we had to realize, I had to realize, really, is that conflict isn't bad. It's actually neutral. Mm. And how you handle it determines, you know, if it's going to be good or bad in your life. And there's a, there are good ways to handle conflict. In fact, if you do it well, you'll be better. Mm. You'll be You'll have a more intimate marriage if you're willing to step into conflict and handle it the way God wants us to. And one of the first things I had to learn was to really shut up and listen. So when, mm. when Ann has something she needs to say to me, don't interrupt her. Don't walk out of the room. Sit there, look her in the eye, and say, help me understand what you're saying, because there's always a story behind the story. And I mm-hmm. never stayed around long enough to even listen. And so now I'm not saying we're we're perfect at it, but it's like, okay, we have things to talk about. Let's talk. And I want to hear what you have to say so that I can get to a place where I can understand it. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we can resolve it. I mean, that's, starting, that's the starting point for us. Well, and go ahead. I go think ahead. For me, the biggest thing changed for me was when the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. I was all, all about speaking the truth. <laughs> but I really, honestly, I wasn't wrapping it up in love. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was real. I'm a verbal processor, so if I think it, I say it. Mm. And I, God really had to get a control of my mouth, of my tongue, and so I got into a habit of before I would say anything, I would go to God first, and oh, I would man. ask Him this question: God, should I say anything? Because that, just that, sometimes mm. God would say no, or He'd say wait, and then I would ask this question: If I, if He gives me the go, I would then ask. When should I say it, and how should I say it? So sometimes I would have to wait even a day or two Mm. for God to really wait on God to think, how can I say this in a way that they can hear it without feeling rejected or feeling like I'm totally not on board with Him? That that took so much self-control for me, but man, did it make a difference. Because because speaking the truth in love is so helpful in a Mm. relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to ask, you know, as we're talking about tension and, and you know, fighting and stuff. Not uh, that we have any of that, word, but go ahead. <laughs> do you guys do you guys think that a couple should ever go to bed angry? And if not, like, how do you avoid that? Because it seems like it's, it's such a, you know, a king thing. size bed. You avoid it by having a king size bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, when we. Before we got married, we were sort of counseled that, uh, and I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners are familiar with Ephesians 4.26, which says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so we were counseled that that was literal, Mm -hmm. that you could never go to sleep without a conflict being resolved. Mm -hmm. So we thought that was true. So we'd be up at 2 or 3 in the morning, and we couldn't get to resolution, and I'd be falling asleep, and Ann would be hitting my chest. Man, what do you do if I'm asleep? You don't care. And I'm like, I'm just too tired. And then I'll tell you, I don't know what it was, but one night we're laying there at 3 o'clock and I'm falling asleep and it hit me. I'm like, wait, if that verse is literal, that means we've got till tomorrow's sunset because the sun already went down hours ago. So I'm like, I'm going to sleep and talk about it tomorrow. But, you know, bottom line was obviously wow. that verse isn't literal, but it's it's a practice that says you need to resolve it quickly. It may be able to be done today. It may happen tomorrow. Don't wait till Christmas or Easter, but resolve it quick, quickly. And so there are times 
when you can't get to a resolution in the, in that, you know, conflict or in that hour, that we said, okay, we need to talk about it tomorrow. And I've actually realized for me, sometimes in a conflict, I don't even know what I'm feeling or why I'm mad. But if I give it some time to process, I know by tomorrow. Oh, and yes. I'm better. Because now we can talk about it. And usually knows quicker, but it, it gives me some time to process. And sometimes sleeping on it is a good thing, even though you don't want to let it go days or yeah. weeks, but yeah. you do want to attack it again the next day. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes in our marriages, I know that Will and I have experienced this, that just wanting the grace extended toward us that we don't realize we're not extending toward our spouse. Yeah. You know, sometimes that can go so far in a marriage. And I, there are different times that I'm upset with Will or I'm angry that he didn't do something the way I thought it should have been done. And the Holy Spirit will just remind me that you are growing as a wife and a mother as he is growing as a father and as a husband and to extend that grace and not be constantly looking for perfection. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit for our listening audience. Mm, that's a good point. Maybe Ann. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Ann. I'm go sorry. Ahead, Ann. Um, I, I think that that's really true. I would look at Dave and I would see all of his flaws Um And I'd have expectations, and I think that's a big word of expectations, because when Mm -hmm. our expectations aren't met, we're disappointed. And I know that for me, as a woman, I would voice my disappointment to Dave. And we talk about it in the book where I felt um, that Dave told me one day that basically I boo him all the time. And, And what you're saying is true. I wasn't extending him grace. I wanted grace, but I wasn't giving it to him. And so what happened was I was constantly nagging him, critiquing mm. him, criticizing him. And I, to be honest, I didn't even realize it. Mm. And Dave's not one to really point out things, but we were speaking publicly, and um, <laughs> he was talking to all these wives. We were together, and it was only women at church. And he said, women, I don't know if you understand what it's like for us as men. Because what happens is we usually, as boys, young boys growing up, there's usually someone cheering for us. Then we get older and we find out what we're good at. So we have a coach or a teacher usually saying, yeah, you're good at that, and they're cheering for us. That I met my Anne, and she was like, she was basically saying, of all the men in the world, I choose you, Dave Wilson, and she's cheering for me, and it's amazing. He said, then we're married for a while, and we walk in the door, and all we hear is, boo, boo. Mm. Wow. This is the first time he's ever mentioned any of this. And we're (laughs) on stage talking to these women. I was so angry at him. And what (laughs) I said was, I don't boo you. I didn't say this in front of everybody, but on the way home, (laughs) I said, I don't boo you. I am helping you. Because I thought that. (laughs) I thought, like, I'm I'm helping you to be better, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I see your flaws, and I'm going to help you and motivate you to be better. And what he said was, yeah, it's... It doesn't feel like help. It feels like I can't do anything right. Mm. And so, yes, now I wasn't extending any grace to him. I was, I wanted it, but I thought that my criticism um, was helping Dave when all it was doing was really pulling, making him pull away from me. Oh man, that is powerful. That is powerful. I'm telling you that I, along with every other wife listening, we are doing a lot of introspective searching right now. I mean, because when <laughs> all of the times that we think that we're helping and we would say, no, yeah. we're not a nag. We're an encourager. We're just trying to help right. you be the best version of you and blah, blah, blah. 
But what our husbands hear is boo when they walk in the door. <laughs> That's going to stay with me. Okay, Anne and Dave, where can our listeners connect with you and get a copy of Vertical Marriage? Well, you can reach us anywhere, really, on the Internet, just by typing in Dave Ann Wilson. Ann doesn't have an E, so it's A-N-N, just DaveAnnWilson.com or VerticalMarriage.org or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It's all the same, Dave Ann Wilson. We are one person. Two are what? <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Let me also tell our listeners that they can go to familylife.com. You guys you guys have got some great videos there that I've checked out just today and I enjoyed them. Thank you so much for joining us. We've run out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.